Hello, and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Tomasz Foldy, co-founder and CEO of Star Schema. Tomasz has previously been a white hat hacker and professional consultant for Fortune 500 clients. In this episode, Tomasz talks about the pandemic-accelerated digitization, distributing data, centralizing data, and much more. So please enjoy this interview between Tomasz Foldy and your host, Steve Ham. Tomasz, it's so great to have you on the podcast today. I'm just fascinated with your company and what you're doing with technology. Many of our listeners probably aren't familiar with Star Schema, so it'd be great if you would start by describing the company. When and why did you and your partner start it, and what are the main dimensions of the business now? So we help organizations derive value from their data and analytics technology investment. With different words, we are a technology consulting firm. I started this company like 14 years ago, and we started as a relatively boring company doing a lot of Oracle, uh, SQL development, really boring traditional data warehousing. Mm. But to be honest, we just realized that we are going to die doing the same stuff over and over. So we decided to focus on emerging technologies because we wanted to do something different. We want to be unique and also doing things what others are not focusing for. And that's where we started to focus on cloud, on open source data integrations. And uh, that really helped us to work with the best partners and with the best clients. Given said, uh, we are niched on the data and analytics. So that's the only thing what we are doing, just data and analytics. And also in the data and analytics space, we are exclusively working for these cool emerging technologies, what we believe that the best at this point and will be the technology of the future. That's great. Now, people can probably guess from your accent that you're not from the United States or the UK. Now, you're from Hungary and the whole company started in Hungary. Tell us a little bit about that. I mean, it, it must be very challenging to start a company in, in, in Hungary and make it a global company. Yes, indeed. Coming from Hungary has its all uh, disadvantages. So using my Hungarian language, I don't think that I can close a lot of deals or I can help a lot of companies. But also in the same time, it we have like great education and extremely great people, a huge talent pool. And also in the same time, having ambitions and having vision is not necessarily related to where you are. If if you are focusing on what do you want to achieve, in, in our case, again, we want to help companies to make the best decision on what technologies, what they are using. We are helping them to be successful with Snowflake, for instance. And if that's your drive then, and, and putting the effort to it, then it's, it's just a question of time when you are going to reach your customers and when you are reaching your goals. So it wasn't necessarily an issue for us. Actually, it's way easier than I thought to work with these Fortune 10 companies. But again, for that, you have to find your niche. So what's your role in the company? I mean, you've been there for all 14 years and you're, you have a leadership role, but you're in, the, you're in the United States now, I understand. Yeah. So I'm the co-founder and the CEO, but if you check any of my biography or the, my LinkedIn profile, I used to call myself as a CTO because I just like the title better. Mm. I started as a data engineer. 
And I still consider myself as a data engineer, even if my company did grow to more than 200 people. And we have offices in, I don't know, East Coast, West Coast, in addition to Hungary. But again, the goal was always, again, to live up our aspiration and, and work with the best companies. But also at the same time, being a data engineer, I want to make sure that we are enjoying what we are doing. And being a data engineer or being uh, an IT programmer, I wanted to create a company which will also be good for my employees who are also fellow data engineers. Hey everyone, this is Ben, executive producer for Rise of the Data Cloud. We have something really cool that we wanted to let you know about. Data has transformed business forever, and now you can read the inside story of the company making it happen in Rise of the Data Cloud by Snowflake CEO Frank Slootman. This is the definitive book on how businesses can connect, collaborate, and thrive with data. A great holiday gift for anyone who cares about data and the future of business, Rise of the Data Cloud is available now at snowflake.com slash data book. And now, back to the show. Now, here we're talking at a time when the world is starting to emerge from the COVID-19 crisis. And I know that your companies played an important role in that, but we'll, and we'll get a bit to that later. But if you could talk kind of more generally, what, what are you teed up to do as the kind of the world hopefully roars back economically and socially from this, this disaster? Yes, data and analytics was already a hot area. And during the pandemic, each and every company started to accelerate their digital digitalization efforts. And digitalization means more data and more data means more work. Many companies realized that their plans and strategies were fragmented and are investing in getting the house in order. Doing so will enable them to better compete and thrive, but many, while they know where they want to go, aren't sure how to best to get there. More companies will turn to third parties like us to help with the technical implication need for this digital transformation. And again, we have a track record of doing just this and already seeing greed demand. Let's go and talk about the Star Schema COVID-19 data set. When and why did you decide to create the Star Schema COVID-19 data set? And what is it? People need that basic knowledge to get going. Yes. So the whole story started that two of my friends and community members of Tableau called me in the beginning of the pandemic and told me that they need some data engineering help to set up the Tableau Software's COVID data hub. So Tableau Software's wanted to create easily accessible dashboards where you can track all these uh, cases around the globe. And they asked our help to make it more robust. And since we did a lot of work with the Tableau community and helped our Tableau Foundation in the past, we immediately say yes. But during that process, I just realized that uh, sharing the data and creating the data for their for their dashboards, like for Salesforce itself, was really a painful exercise. And I thought that there should be a better way to distribute this data with, with the customers and to distribute it for everyone who needs to react to this crisis in the quickest way possible. And that was the point where I called a couple of my friends at Snowflake and asked, 
hey, guys, do you want to have a COVID-19 data hub or do you want to have the data and share it uh, through your data marketplace? Because that's exactly, I mean, that's the best use case I can imagine for you. We can make sure that all the data will be there in a cleanest and ready-to-use format and all of your customers can access with a single click. So that's how we started. And I would say within a week using open source technologies, we set it up uh, a nice GitHub repository uh, with all the source codes, with all the integration. And within, within a few days, we were able to distribute this data to hundreds of, of uh, Snowflake customers. Mm-hmm. And it was quite a ride. It's uh, currently the, the Star Schema COVID-19 data sets uh, collates uh, a range of data sources, including the epidemiological data like morbidity and mortality from the John Hopkins University or the World Health Organization and other like smaller national health authorities. We have testing data from the CDC. We have hospitalization information, including projected and actual values. Recently, we added the vaccination data via also the John Hopkins University and our Verdin data, which is also an, an open data provider. And there are a lot of other data sets as well, such as uh, mobility data sets, like seeing uh, how the the commute times and and people's mobility changed over time, as well as other useful data sets for giving context, like demographical data, ICU bed capacity, everything what you need to build up your own COVID-related dashboards for your own COVID-related use cases inside your organization. So that's how it started, and that's what we are uh, having. And we have a lot of uh, inquiries and data requests from from customers who want to add additional data sources, and we try to be as flexible uh, as possible to make sure that if you have any needs which might be useful for other clients as well, we are trying to uh, integrate it back if we can. And also... Because this is an open source project, uh, there are other random people over the internet from the Snowflake community who are contributing to this marketplace. So that's really a, a collaborative effort. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so why is it so important to have all this data in one place and shareable? And what are some of the more coolest things that, that, that the customers are doing with it? So the reason why it's great to have everything in a single place is because it makes it extremely easy to reuse it inside your own organization. You don't have to spend time hunting for, for different data sets to find out what's reliable and what's not. And again, I would also emphasize, emphasize the importance of the community here. If you do it once and can be reused by many, and, and you can just collect this uh, institutional, I mean, the community knowledge in a single place. It will accelerate the response by these organizations because we don't have to do individually the same tasks over and over. And also another advantage is have everything in, the, in one place that you can have uh, a really organized, easy to join data set, which are using the same business keys. So it's really which makes it really easy to to match the different data sources and join them together, blend them together and use it to your own data set. So it, it saves a lot of time and, and also helps you to react quicker. 
Regarding use cases, uh, we see three different waves of use cases. The, the first wave of use cases was concerned with responding to peaks and steep trajectories, and that was the, really related to the beginning of the pandemic. Like, for instance, a defense contractor who has their offices just around the street, just opposite on the street from our offices, has used our data to prioritize various facilities for evacuation of personnel, which means that I used to believe, I, I don't if it's true or not, but our work could impact actual human lives. So it was used to prioritize who and how should we evacuate it, which is, again, was a relatively interesting use case. But again, in the beginning of the pandemic, there was a lot of uncertainty. The only thing which was sure is about the mortality and the number of cases. Mm -hmm. After a couple of months or a couple of weeks, maybe, there was a second wave of use cases, uh, which were mainly focused on joining our COVID-19 data set with external data, such as mobility indicators as identified from cell phone localization data. So several companies from the cons uh, consumer retail sector have used our data set in this way. One example, we have a, a relatively large music label as the customer and they realized that the streaming music consumption habits are drastically changed. People used to listen music in urban areas during the commute times, uh, during commuting. And since commuting went back to zero practically, all of uh, their existing business models were impacted. And using the data, what is the situation in these, in these areas? How the virus is spreading? How people are commuting, what's the mobility, are people are moving, uh, are they staying at home, are they not staying at home, what's the ratio between essential workers who are still traveling and not. These kind of analyses were quite frequently produced in that second era. The third, which is, I would say, the current wave, uh, in this time, I would say that the main focus of the use cases are predicting policy changes and the risk in view of vaccination efforts. Mm. Again, many companies are using the star scheme of COVID-19 data set through the marketplace to determine when it's safe to reopen particular facilities, when to begin the transition back to the office, and when consumer demand for in-person services is likely to rise again. One example, uh, like Capital One, who are using to forecast and plan response scenarios for its workforce and its customers. And also, especially in Europe, some governments also aligns their policy changes to the number of uh, vaccinated people in their country or the percentage of vaccinated uh, people so keeping their keeping companies eyes on these numbers and and percentages are extremely important to plan when they can open what kind of facilities in their in their businesses yeah excellent explanation of those three waves uh, of using the the data set did the company do a lot of data set creation before this or did this co kind of the covid crisis give rise to a new a new area for you to focus on and, and exploit no we are not a, again we are a consultation company so mm -hmm. this was the first effort actually 
not the last since then, we made additional data sets available. Yeah. We found that this is the best way. How can we help to other communities, other companies? And when, a, when there is a crisis, you should think about how could you help the most for others. And that's what was the most straightforward and the most uh, obvious way to, to try to help others. No, this is an extremely new area for us. So we started to add additional data sets to the marketplace because of two things. The first, it's extremely easy to use the marketplace. It's, it's a pleasure to share data sources with, with others. And also on the other hand, we used so many open source and free projects in the past. And whenever we have a chance to make other companies or people's life easier, we just have to take that opportunity. And again, the data marketplace is just an obvious way to, to do that. Yeah, yeah. And just to make it clear for the listeners, it was Snowflake's data marketplace that basically hosts this data set, correct? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And now I understand that you created a couple of technologies along the line here, a starter dashboard and the case trajectory status visualization. That's a mouthful. Talk about those. What are those and how are they used? So the case trajectory status visualization was just an example of how to use this Snowflake data set from Xena to such as Tableau dashboard. It was really meant for an example because uh, we still believe that the biggest effect of this data when it's joined with the customer's own enterprise data. So looking to purely on external data, it's not gonna give you any new insights. The value of the marketplace is that you have your internal enterprise data sets from your ERP, from your CRM, from everywhere of your organization. And that's the piece what you need to complete with that additional information to get more precise insights. Yes, the dashboard was really just uh, to show some of the capabilities, but what concerns customers is how the pandemic is going to affect their businesses. So for this integrating with their own data pipelines is just it's just important, yeah. Just to, to make sure yeah. I understand correctly. So you're saying the the data marketplace made it possible for them to easily integrate external data with their own internal data and then analyze it from there. Yes, the marketplace makes this more convenient than any other solution on the market. So yeah. it brings in the entire data set with a single click, actually with two clicks, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you've made it sound pretty easy, but were there challenges, technological challenges or business challenges that emerged when you were doing this data set that could be instructive to the uh, to listeners? So obviously the biggest challenge was the data cleansing and the data quality issues because most of these data sets were uh, put together by um, volunteers from different projects use Google Sheets and other really manual entry forms to, to collect the data. And especially in the beginning, it was a huge mess. It wasn't designed for computers to work with that data set. So we spent a lot of time to, to cleanse the data, to add like, uh, I can talk about that later, but let's, but the biggest challenge itself 
is, is the change of the data sets availability. So in the beginning, John Hopkins was the primary source of case information and everybody used their data sets. And then eventually they decided to, to deny Forbit to use their data sets for profit usage. So many of the Snowflake customers were not able to use the John Hopkins University data sets, mm. which means in that case, we had to find alternative sources as much as reliable as the John Hopkins University. So options were like using the World Health Organization data sets, mm. which again, in last year, uh, they published their numbers every day in a PDF format. So we had to use some OCR technologies to parse their PDFs and get the numbers out of it because purely saying there were like no other way to get um, those numbers for companies who wants to use it for profit purposes. Also another example that the biggest and the most reliable data provider called COVID Tracking Project was also stopped in early March. And in that case, we have to reach out many customers. We had to write a couple of articles and blog posts. How can they do the migration from one data set to another? Which led it to one conclusion on our side. So whenever you're doing a community project or whenever you're doing any kind of project, being consistent and staying until the really end of it is extremely important. Hey, this was a, a tremendous project, which has had tremendous positive impact on companies and clients and all sorts of people. What are the most important lessons that you have learned for your companies uh, about data set development and provisioning that's enriching the way you approach the world? Some of them I started to mention in the, in the previous question. So mm -hmm. number one, you have to stay consistent and support your project and never abandon them. For us, it was an extremely hard thing to keep up with all these other projects and do the changes. So what I learned that I shouldn't do it for what others are doing. And if we decided to support something, we should support until the end, till the really end. We also learned that the data marketplace is an extremely easy to use system to share data. And that's, as I mentioned, the best on the market. And it's also encouraged us to invest more to provide data sets to others and not just limit ourselves to the to COVID-19. And also on the third thing, what I learned that the whole concept the whole data marketplace concept is not just applicable for, for customers and, and like across the customers and between data providers and customers. The same concept, like publishing your data inside an organization provides a huge value as well. So we also started to encourage our own clients to use Snowflake to build up internal data exchange, internal data marketplace, where the different functions and divisions can exchange data in a really sophisticated way. Hey, I want to backtrack a little bit now and talk about the relationship between Star Schema and Snowflake. When, when did you first get involved with Snowflake and, and what's the nature of the involvement? Yeah, so we are, we are Snowflake partners since a couple of years, and we truly believe in the Snowflake technology because that's the only technology which does the separation of storage and computation in a really elegant way. And I had the pleasure to spend some time in the Snowflake New York office 
and has some discussions with uh, some of the VPs and CTOs and product managers there. And I really the vision what Snowflake has, and I really like the engineering and, and the easy of useness of this system. And I do believe that uh, the future is CQL. And for that, Snowflake is one of our strategic partners. We are also having a few Fortune 10 clients who rely on Snowflake, and, and they are quite satisfied it. So they are as much of a fans as us. So I think, yeah, that's how it started. Yeah. So let's, uh, hey, I wanted to switch, you know, switch speeds here, and uh, let's look into the future some more. Uh, what are the major data analysis trends that you see developing over the next year or so? In two big trends and two big changes. The first that uh, it's more like a hope that mm-hmm. all these J- Java-based Hadoop, Spark, and these kind of computation systems should just disappear mm-hmm. or at least transform into something like the data cloud. The challenge with that systems is that they were not designed from scratch to be cloud native. Yes. I truly believe that you can't create a great computation engine if you are using Java system. And I also believe that you can create a great analytic engine if you are not designed from day one to SQL. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that adjusting like 10 years ago, SQL is getting stronger and stronger day by day and Snowflake will be one of the, the winners from this trend. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, what is, I think, a more interesting is that I believe personally that in the next five years, augmented analytics will be a big thing. So right now, Many companies are having a lot of data. They have great reports and great dashboards. But what the end of the day, analysts are doing, just look for anomalies, looks for trends and trying to understand what really happens. But using machine learning, like easy statistic algorithms, I'm not even talking AI, but using basic statistical algorithms you can easily tell not just what is in your database, but you can find out what you have to look at, or you can answer a question why this really happened. And I truly believe that that's that trend, augmented analytics, explaining your data, asking root cause analysis, or just ask for AI-generated insights to see where you need to look at your data, that's going to be the future. So if I would... If I want to invest my money, then I definitely would buy or buy in, into an augmented analytics company for right. sure. I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? So now I'm going to ask you to put on your visionary cap for a minute. Look out five years or more. How do you see data management and data analytics impacting business, government, society, healthcare, whatever, the whole thing. In five years, what I would expect from leading companies that they would operate their companies from different cockpits and and dashboards and everything will be really centralized around data. As a first step, everything needs to be in the cloud and everything needs to be centralized. All the data values and the data assets has to be in a single location. Second, all these companies have to get the context 
and need, they need to leverage the the knowledge from others using external data to improve or complete their their own data sets. I think that will be really important. And I already see the trends that we are helping many pharmaceutical companies, for instance, to use, to create more precise data science models by leveraging more precise external data sets. But getting the data and getting the reports is just the first step. What I would think the future would be that these cockpits will be giving advice to analysts and executives and decision makers like where they need to focus and what actions do they have to take and why humans will be always in the center. More and more of these exploratory will be augmented to AI. And the most important part is, again, when you are making decisions based on the data, you have to have a strong collaboration around it. So collaborative capabilities, especially after COVID, where we are never going to back to the office as we did before. I don't believe that it's going to happen in the next, in the next five years. Mm. So f- finding out how can you make a collaboration asynchronously using this huge centralized data asset and how you can keep track all of the decisions what you made and find the impact of what you are doing without leaving that cockpit. And I think that's where all these products should go and will go in the future. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you. In the real up close and personal. What's next is that I really love your accent. And when we talked before, you described your accent as terrible. And there are moments when it's hard to understand. But then you called it your superpower. What did you mean by that? As I mentioned, I came from the bottom and I never really learned English in a formal way. So my accent really helps me to remember where I came from. But also at the same time, Fortunately, my kids had the privilege to start their schools in, in the U.S. So at least they can also make some fun from me. My accents, ah. they always try to correct me. But, you know, what I'm telling to them, two things. The first, that it's you have to be that guy, but no matter how strong his accent is, you will listen to him. That's right. number one. And the second is that even if my English is as is, but my C++, my Python languages, and even SQL languages, I wear better than anyone else's. So it's cool. Also, because of my accent, when I'm talking about complex topics, I just notice that people are listening more carefully. You know, one of the things I've learned over the past year, and I think Zoom is really part of it, is that... In a lot of business meetings, people just talk like this one talks, that one talks. It's almost like a competition to, to see who gets to say something. And I actually feel like people are listening more in meetings and there's like a patience and there's listening deeply, not just to answer, but to understand. And I think that's something, in fact, that's something that several other people on the podcast have discussed. And hopefully that'll be one of the things that we come out of COVID, you know, doing and thinking better. So it's been great talking to you. And, you know, I just feel like the thing that you did, that your company did with that COVID-19 data set is just a a feat. 
it's an example of what human beings and organizations can do in a time of crisis to you know make a big difference all of a sudden that wasn't your business model but you just went out and did it and it served a lot of companies a lot of organizations and i think it probably saved lives so that's not something that every business can say and and i think it's just very inspirational that you guys did that thank you the Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com data cloud world tour.